Welcome to the Rockbrook Church Podcast. Our hope is that today's message brings you hope and clarity for your spiritual journey. We love hearing how God is working in your life. Feel free to share any stories of how this message gave you a new perspective and hope. Email us at church at rockbrook.org to tell your story. It's so good to be in church today. Welcome to Rockbrook Church, everybody. My name is Ryland. If I haven't gotten the pleasure of meeting you yet, we are gearing up for our church's 25th birthday that we're going to be celebrating June 4th and 5th, so just in a few weeks here. I hope that you will join us for that. Uh, You know that every Sunday or every weekend in the United States, over 100 million people go to a church service. In fact, more people in the United States go to a church service in one single weekend than will attend every single professional sporting event in an entire year. And around the world, there are over, well over 2 billion Christians uh, who believe Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. They're connected to a church. Why do they do that? Why do we do this? Why, Why are we doing this? And a lot of people have really no clear vision, no clear reason of why they are involved in a church. Some attend out of habit, some do it out of duty, some do it out of pressure from someone else or pressure within. If someone were to ask you, why are you part of a church family? Why are you connected to a church? What reason would you give? If someone were to say, why are you a part of Rockbrook Church? What reason would you say? What would you give? And that's what I want to answer today. Today I just want to teach what I would call a DNA message of Rockbrook Church. And we're going to review who we are, what we are, why we are what we are. And you need to know that all the ways that God uh, wants to meet your needs through a church. And you need to know what the church provides. And you can't get these benefits. The benefits we'll talk about today, you don't get them from work. You don't get them from within can't get them from school, Uh, government can't give them to you, political party can't give them to you. So what is a church? How do you define it? How do you describe it? When I say the word church, what do you think of? And depending on your background, your answer will vary, uh, whether you have a Christian or non-Christian background, Catholic or Protestant background, atheistic background, religious background. My guess is that your understanding of a church may be limited by those backgrounds, and maybe not fulfilled of what God says a church family is. So let's start first with what a church is not. A church is not a building. Many churches have buildings. For several years, this church did not have a building, uh, but that didn't mean we weren't a thriving church. In fact, all around the world, every week, church buildings are destroyed, Uh, terrorists destroy them or they're destroyed by natural disasters or by fires or whatnot that doesn't stop that that church family in any way they keep going they keep thriving so church is not just a location not just a building as I said for many years we didn't have a church building met in all different kinds of places sometimes we didn't even know where we would meet week to week you had to be smart to go to Rockbrook because you had to figure out where we were that week and if we had uh, back 25 years ago when we started, we met in a park shelter house and we met there again. Then we, meet, uh, we met in a basement of a bank and then an event space and a school cafeteria, school gymnasium all around. And how did we tell people where we were going to be that week? You signed up the week that you came to church 
if you liked it and wanted to come back the next week, you put your name on a phone chain. Anybody, raise your hand if you remember a good old-fashioned phone chain. Not too many. What that would be is if you went to Rockbrook and you liked it, on the way out, put your name on the phone chain. So, uh, you know, I might uh, go and put my name under someone else's name. And then once the pastor or whoever was going to figure out where we met that week, they would call the first number on the phone chain and say, we're meeting at this location. And then that person had, knew the next person to call, knew the next person to call. And you just called the next person. And, and then we'd show up at uh, the movie theater or wherever, and we'd have, we'd have church that week. But we were still thriving in many ways, even though we were lacking a building at the time. A church is somewhere where we are planted. A church is something that you build your life on. And now there are many, many verses where we get the truths of what a church is. Today I want to look at Acts chapter 2, because this is where the first church was started at just some days after Jesus ascended into heaven. And this is the description of what the church starts doing. Then you can read through the New Testament and see everywhere the church is doing something. It's doing one of these purposes, one of these things. It says those who believed were baptized and added to the church. They joined with other believers and committed themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship. They worshiped together regularly at the temple, so they would join all together in a larger group at the temple, and then met in small groups in homes for communion, and they shared meals with great joy and thankfulness. Believed, baptized, worshiped, fellowshiped, ministered together, ate together. According to the Bible, this verse, many, many other verses, here's a definition of the church. A church is a group of saved and baptized believers who've joined together in a commitment to help each other fulfill God's purposes for their lives. This, friends, is a church. That's what a church family is. The purpose of the church is to help you fulfill why God created you, the purpose of your life, and why you need other people in your life is to fulfill God's purposes. Last week we talked about God's purpose for your life. That was a big idea, but this week, let me give you an even bigger one. You cannot fulfill those purposes on your own. You can't do it. It's impossible. Life is not a solo act. You were created for a family. You need a a church community. And what's neat and why we preach in like a sermon series is this week's message. You could overlay this week's message on top of last week's message and see how why God made you and why God made the church can work together and work in tandem. And that these are two cogs that fit together. How God's purposes for you are supported and can even actually, they can only flourish when you're connected to Christ's family and the body of Christ. So there's actually five specific benefits, just as there were five points last week, five specific benefits to being connected to a church family. You might write these down. First is, a church helps me center my life around God. You didn't, God did not put you on earth, rather, to live a self-centered life. Instead, he wants us to live a God-centered life. God wants to be the very nucleus of your life. He doesn't want to be on the edge or a segment of your life, but at the very core, the very center. His purpose for you is to build your life with him at the center. 
We talked about this last week, how you were made to know God and to love God. And he made you to love you. And life will always have a void. There will always be a hole at the center of your life until you fill it with God. God says life works best for you when I'm at the hub of your heart, when I'm at the axis of your existence. I love this in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 14. Christ's love has the first and last word in everything we do. Our firm decision is to work from this focused center. One man died for everyone. That puts everyone in the same boat. He included everyone in his death so that everyone could also be included in his life. A resurrection life. A far better life than people ever lived on their own. Now there is a word for when you put God at the center of your life. There's a word for, uh, for having him there. The Bible calls this, the theological word for it is worship. Whenever you focus your life on Christ, that's worship. When you center your life on God, that's worship. Now how can you tell when Christ is at the center of your life and you're living a life of worship? Well, you worry a lot less. If you worship more, you'll worry less. You worship less, you'll worry more. Here's the truth of it. You're going to center your life on something. You may center it around yourself and be self-centered. You may center it around a career and be career-centered. You may center it around your family, be family-centered. You may center it around a political affiliation. You could center it around a cause of the day. You could center it around the money and building financial security. It, you, you don't get to opt out of having a center. Everyone centers their life on something. Everyone worships something. And all those things that I just listed are all things to have in life, but they don't make a good center. They're, they're not to be the most important thing about you or the most important thing to you. Because anything besides God at the center of your life, do you know what that's called? That's called an idol. And God commands you are to have no idols, no gods before me. Don't make any idols. Don't sacrifice your life to an idol. Don't give up your life for an idol. Why? Because he says the other gods, the other sinners, they don't work. They leave you feeling empty and you'll have wasted your life. Don't live for the wrong thing and waste your life. In Romans 12.1 it says, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. It goes on to say that you, you won't even know, you can't even find out his good and pleasing will for your life and the calling he has on your life if you don't worship him in this way. The first and most important question of your life is this. What's going to be the center of the rest of my life? This is the issue of worship. Now let me give you a little hint. Nothing else is strong enough to hold you together. Everything else that you might put at the center of your life, a life goal, a person, a movement, an activity, another religion, it's not strong enough to hold you together when the heat is on, when the earthquakes happen in life. You have to have Jesus at the core of your life. And that's what worship is all about. God says if you're going to live here on earth, and that's what 
uh, it says, make me number one. Make me number one. Put me at the center. Now, when you come into this relationship with Christ to be known as a child of God, to receive his love, to love him back, now you're in the family business. And number two, a church helps me connect with other believers, with other people who've centered their life on God. God did not put you on this earth to live an isolated life. Last week, we said you were formed for God's family. And while you're here on earth, God wants you to learn to love other people. Just a little bit further down in Romans chapter 12, it says, just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. Your spiritual life and my spiritual life amounts to nothing if we are disconnected from the body. In fact, the Bible says it's like a disconnected body part. That if I, if I cut off my finger, it is not going to grow. It's not going to live. It has to be connected to the body. It has to learn to work in junction and be connected and interact with the rest of the body. 1 John 4, 21 says, And he has given us this command, Anyone who loves God must also love now, and here, this is talking about fellow believers, that when you become a child of God, I'm your brother, you're my brother, you're my sister, and God commands us to love our brothers and sisters. We're never meant to face life alone. Now, this is called the Bible word, the theological word, the purpose word for this, if you're taking notes, is fellowship. And fellowship is simply having a connection with other believers, being connected to the body of Christ, the family of God, the flock of God, the garden of God, all these different illustrations the Bible uses for a group of believers, a family. Ephesians 2.19 says, you are members of God's very own family and you belong in God's household with every other Christian. Christ is not only to be your personal Lord and Savior, but we're to be connected to his family. So how do you join a church fellowship, become a member, this word member? At Rockbrook, it's just, it's very simple at Rockbrook. It's two steps. The first is you choose to belong. You choose to say, I'm not going to just be an attender or just a watcher. Uh, I'm going to be a member. And the way you choose to belong is you can take step one of our growth track. The first commitments of a, of a Christian life is to come to Christ. And then second, you commit yourself to Christ's family. And membership is a commitment to other believers. And that you say, you know what, I, this is going to be my spiritual home. I'm going to stick with it. This is where I'll give and be given to. This is where I'll serve and be served. This is uh, where I'm going to be stretched. And this is going to be my spiritual family. And you choose to belong. The second thing that you do is identify yourself or show your commitment by baptism. 1 Corinthians 12, 13, saying some of us, we all have different backgrounds. Some of us are Jews. Some of us are Gentiles. Some of us are slaves. Some of us are free. But we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. So we all have these different backgrounds and 
histories and stories, but we have this unifying experience, and we are all walking in the Spirit of Christ. And when we baptize a person, as Jesus was died and buried and brought back up, we take the person, we put them under the water, we bring them back up, it identifies them with Christ. They're saying, I'm following Jesus in my life. Now, if you've been baptized by immersion before coming to this church, we don't ask you to do, to do that again. You've had that unifying experience with uh, the body of Christ, the fellowship of Christ, but it's a unifying experience that we see time and time again throughout the New Testament. They believed and were baptized. Now, this point of, of fellowship and the purpose of fulfilling fellowship, Jesus actually said, this is one of the ways that you will prove, that proves your salvation to yourself and to others. Jesus said that our love for one another will prove that we are his disciples. The love in this church is profound. You know, every week our church spreads out into dozens of small groups. It happens with adults. Our students spread out into small groups, kids small groups. And in those small groups, love is shown, friendships are built, prayers are answered, needs are met, cares are taken care of. And it's the church taking care of itself. And that fellowship is profound. The love that this church shows to other people is profound. I, I am... Uh, just really surprised by it every week. This week I called someone to see if they could help with something for our birthday party. Have you heard about that June 4th and 5th, Rockbrook's 25th birthday party? And uh, he actually had uh, something else on the schedule for later Saturday evening. And he says, you know what? I'll, I'll call somebody else to take care of that. I want to be at your church. And I said, oh man, why would you? Because he's going to call a competitor and have them go to the thing that he was scheduled. In. I said, oh, why would you do that? And he says, you know, as a kid, I went to church a few times and stuff, but never really connected as an adult. And the first time I went to your church, I met all these people. And he says, I started getting cards from people that were praying over my business, that my business would succeed. And people would call, a few people called the business number and said, you know, I'm just uh, thinking about you today, your family, your business, and I, praying that you have a good day. I just wanted to let you know that. No one asked those people. That wasn't like a secret mission, you know, within the church. No one asked anyone to do that. They just did it. And it's powerful. It's profound. And it proves, those things prove that we are who we say we are. And we are Christ's followers. My church family helps me center my life on God, helps me connect with other believers. And number three, a church helps me cultivate spiritual maturity. We talked about this last week. God wants me to grow. God wants you to grow. But here's the catch. You can't do it on your own. No baby ever grows up on its own. It needs some support. And ideally, the way God wants it is it needs a family. A, a baby needs a family. And you need a spiritual family just like you needed someone to help you grow up when you were young physically. Hebrews 6.1 says, Therefore let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity. Now, by the way, uh, this is my job is to help you grow. It's the job of all of our pastors, all of our leaders, all of our small group leaders, all the teachers. At Rockbrook, uh, your growth is our goal. We're always thinking about this. 
Lord, how can we help each other grow? The Bible has a word for this process of growth. It's the purpose of, you might write this down, of discipleship. Discipleship is the process of getting stronger. Now, in step two of the growth track, we, we learn some of the fundamental habits that growth comes from habits. We all know this, that, that our life is the direct result of what we repeatedly do, of what we do over and over again. We make our habits, and then our habits form who we become. They form who we are. And so we're very serious about growth, and we want to instill good habits. We also want to grow from things like our foundations classes that you hear us promote and our summer foundations. Anyone can take part in any one of those. The topics are very powerful. The topics are good and evil, uh, the afterlife, and the second coming of Christ. Uh, so those are great opportunities for growth. You definitely need to join a small group, and we'll have sign-ups for those soon. You can grow uh, from Celebrate Recovery profoundly. You can find freedom from your yesterdays uh, once and for all. I didn't get a woohoo out of Debbie, so she must not be here today. There she is. Celebrate Recovery is a powerful way to grow. We've had uh, over the lifespan of our church, hundreds of people go through Celebrate Recovery, and they have uh, found tremendous freedom in their life. But one of the ways that God makes us grow and why we need other support to get through it is because we hate it. And, and it's the way we hate, and it's God's favorite way. And we need support to get through it because it's tough. But this way is called testings. Trials, tribulations, problems, pressures, difficulties, delays, dead ends. Anyone familiar with any of these ways of growth? Yeah, all of us. All of these things God says, I'm going to use to help you grow spiritually. Why? Because God cares deeply about you, and he would rather in these days use these days to develop your character than to make you comfortable in a place that's not going to be around forever anyway. Comfort is coming later. Comfort is the great hope that we have coming later character development is now and I'm glad that it's that way now I'd rather be challenged temporarily and experience something eternally than God flip it around and let me make you comfortable now and then we'll work on character development later like no I'd rather let's do it now God's not trying to make our life easy right now he's trying to grow us up he's preparing us for something amazing something great and he says he'll use testings and delays. James 1, 3 through 4 says, when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. Now, unfortunately, too many people never give it a chance. Uh, they give up too soon, and they escape to comfort. They give up on the church too soon. They give up on their faith too soon, and they don't give their endurance a chance to grow. I called a friend this week. That's why I'm so thankful for the support, community, and fellow believers, and said, I just got to tell you, I'm frustrated. It's been years that I've been waiting for this thing, and it's just delay after delay after delay, and I'm just getting tired of, of waiting. And I love what he said. He says, Ryland, years is not very long. <laughs> he says, in the kingdom of God, years is not that long. He says, what you do is you plant, and you water, and you water, and you water, and you tend after it, 
and you weed, but do not give up on what you are doing. You will reap a harvest if you do not give up. Give it a chance to grow, so let it grow, for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be strong in character and ready for anything. I get a lot more out of the tests when I'm connected. I don't give up when I'm connected. By the way, he's writing this to the church. This is not written to an individual. This is written to the church. My church helps me center my life on God, helps me connect with other believers, helps me grow and cultivate my character to become like Christ. Number four, a church helps me contribute something back. God did not put you on earth to just live for yourself. But you are actually an agent of bringing heaven to earth. He wants to use your talents, your gifts, the things that he gave you, by the way. I mean, if you say they come from you, that's pride. He gave them to you, and he wants you to use them for his glory. God meant for you to use your time on earth here to prepare for that, to practice for that, to make a difference now. 1 Peter 4.10. Hey, church, let's read this one out loud together. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. And God shows us grace. Your gifts used to serve me. My gifts used to serve you. We serve one another this way. And he wants you to develop this with other people. The Bible says two are better off than one for they can work more effectively. Now there's a word for this, uh, what the Bible calls it, the purpose word for this, theological word is called ministry. Using your ability to help other people. Now every Christian is a minister. Not every Christian is a pastor, but pastor and minister are two different words. They're not the same thing. And every Christian is to be a minister. One who does what this verse in 1 Peter says to do. To make a contribution with your life to serve others. To use your talents, to use your gifts. Now how do I discover the best way for me to minister? Again, we can help you with that. In our growth track here at Rockbrook, we have dozens of serving opportunities and we can help you find uh, one that's a good fit for you so that we can do what's, o- what's said almost 60 times in the Bible. Love one another. Care for one another. Pray for one another. Encourage one another, help one another, counsel one another, support one another, on and on and on. It's the mutual ministry of every believer in the family of God to every other believer in the family of God. That's the way God meant for it to be. The truth is serving others, serving God by helping others is not always easy. And sometimes it does. It's a test and it comes with a a lot of discouragement. And, And... after being around 25 years and some of you serving many, many years, you may be discouraged. What do you do when you get discouraged in your ministry and in serving others and in helping others? You remember this from Hebrews chapter 6, verse 10. For God is not unjust. He will not forget how hard you have worked for him and how hard you have shown your love to him by caring for other believers as you still do that you have shown your love to him, to Jesus, by caring for others. That I, could have, I could have shown you hundreds of verses on this, literally. 
that God is very serious about this. That he will not forget it. And he will reward you. And stay true. Stay the course. Do not give up. You will reap a harvest. The Bible says that nothing is insignificant in serving God. It is not in vain. A church helps me contribute something back so that I can get this. Friend, I want you to be rewarded. I want you to get to heaven so glad that you did not give up. So glad you were connected to Rockbrook Church. A church helps me center my life around God. A church helps me connect with other believers. A church helps me cultivate spiritual maturity. Contribute something back. Number five, write this in. A church helps me communicate God's message. Jesus said, you will be my witnesses. Now, you know there's a big difference between an attorney and a witness. An attorney is the person who's presenting all the facts and um, is making a case for judgment and trying to persuade and convince. And here's the thing. um, Attorneys don't even have to believe And whether the person's guilty or innocent or anything like that, they they leave that out of it. Where a witness comes and tells, here's what happened to me. Here's what I know. Here's what I experienced. Here's what I saw. And you're an authority as a witness because you're an authority on you. Nobody else can be your witness. And a witness shares their personal experience. Isn't it refreshing when you come across a witness Christian rather than an attorney Christian? Isn't it powerful? It's called your testimony. The story of what God has done in your life. And you don't have to be able to win an argument. Sharing my faith with someone a few months ago. And they started asking me all these questions and all these arguments. And honestly, actually, I did. It was one of those few times I actually had good answers. And I didn't even use them. I said, you know what? Those are all good questions. But none of those answers impact that I went through a tremendous amount of grief in this situation. I told them about it. And God saw me through it. He did. And he cared for me in a way that, I, that was beyond measure. And he couldn't argue with that. And the questions after that were, well, tell me more about what that was like. And we started talking about my witness. It's your, your testimony. And it's a sobering fact to realize that every single person you know is going to spend eternity somewhere. And the greatest thing you can do for someone, the greatest honor, is you can share the good news. And they may reject it. They may need to hear it a few more times from other people. Probably took you a few times. One day I realized, I've told you this before, how powerful this was for me when I realized that I was praying for a lost person in my life uh, that God would bring other people into their life so it wouldn't be just me, but there would be other witnesses. And I realized, wow, am I the person God's praying for in this person's life? Like, is someone praying for them? And if I don't do that, I'm not doing my part. The church has got to work together here. The Bible calls this my mission. And mission flows from the awesome power of vision. Colossians 1.6 gives us this vision, gives us this big view that we're on the winning side here. The same good news that came to you is going out all over the world, 
It's bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives, just as it changed your lives from the day you first heard and understood. The truth about God's wonderful grace. Uh, Voice of the Martyrs shares this story. Um, a martyr is someone who is tortured, uh, killed because of their faith. The word martyr actually means witness. Uh, because a, what a martyr is, is someone who's asked to deny their witness. They're asked to deny Jesus and then suffer persecution if they don't, if they don't do it. And it says a Christian prisoner in Cuba was asked to sign a statement containing charges against fellow Christians that would lead to their arrest. He said, the chain keeps me from signing this. The communist officer protested, but you are not in chains. I am, said the Christian, I am bound by the chain of witnesses who throughout the centuries gave their lives for Jesus Christ. I am a link in this chain. I will not break it. That is the awesome power of vision. Seen beyond yourself, seen beyond your circumstance, seen beyond the pain, knowing that life is not about yourself. To see the why behind what God is doing, that is someone who can be used by God. Someone who says, I. I don't know what's going to happen after me in this chain, but the chain doesn't stop with me. In Mark 10, verse 29, Jesus says, I assure you that everyone who has sacrificed anything for my sake and for the good news will receive, will receive in return a hundred times over. And Jesus is not a liar. It's going to happen for all of eternity. And for this reason, uh, for this reason, I never apologize for asking someone to give their life completely to Jesus Christ. I never apologize to ask someone to make sacrifices for Christ, for the church, to serve, to give, to love him, to serve other believers. God will honor it. And I want you to receive a hundred times over. Let's pray together. God, I ask you to help us grow in these purposes. I thank you for this church family. I'm just so honored to be a part of it. And God, help us to grow stronger through worship, and warmer through fellowship, broader through ministry, deeper through discipleship, larger through evangelism. If you've never given your life to Christ, before now is a great opportunity to say, God, I want to fulfill these purposes in my life. Just turn to him now. Say, Father, I have to admit I haven't always used my life in the way you intended. But now that I know what you want me to do, I want, I want to grow in that. I want to change. I want you to change me. God, I want to center my life around you. I want to connect with your Family, I want to grow to spiritual maturity. I want to become like Christ. God, I want to contribute, use the gifts that you've given me to contribute something back. And God, I pray that you would use me as a witness. God, as you work in my life, that it would uh, create, that it would generate a powerful testimony that can be used 
to help someone else. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. We would love for you to get connected to what's going on at Rockbrook Church. Visit us online at rockbrook.org for service times, small group information, and other ways you can discover your purpose here on earth.